welcome to Considerable Thought, a Care Church podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jaron Brandt, uh, the student minister here at this church, and I am alongside my friend and co-worker, the preaching minister at Care Church, Drew Gaylor. Drew, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Glad to be here. Yeah. How are you? Are you excited about adding podcaster to uh, your already impressive resume? Absolutely. The next thing for me is to add screenplay writer. Uh, but that's in the future. Yeah, way in the future, because I've never heard you mention this <laughs> in my entire life. I just decided it's something I want to do. Cool. I'm glad you said you're excited about being a podcaster, because you were you seemed quite intimidated uh, to walk into the studio just a few minutes ago. And by studio, I mean my office. Um, like, you were intimidated by the mood that I was trying to create in here. Yeah, the light is off, uh, and there's a, a small lamp on, and so... Uh, it was definitely a different atmosphere than usual. It's cozy, and it's also a little warm in here, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Very much so. Anyway, I'm excited that you're here. I actually think I'm trying to create uh, this sort of Fraser Crane atmosphere, um, get a little psychosocial uh, with this podcast here here in a bit. Yeah, I love Fraser, so let's go for it. Well, welcome again to Considerable Thought. This is a Care Church podcast, and it is currently... Uh, sponsored by or currently hosted by anchor which is a podcast uh hosting site which makes it incredibly easy um to put together a podcast but exciting news since the last time we came together and recorded which was the trailer that you can find on anchor or other sites we are now accepted with the likes of stitcher google Podcasts, spotify so i don't know how you're listening to this right now but uh, soon, this podcast will be available on lots of different services. However, if you listen to it on Anchor, you do have the opportunity to interact with Drew and I as much as you want through the voice messaging feature on that app. So if you download the app, you can actually um, call in with any questions or concerns or recommendations, which is pretty exciting. Drew, have you looked at the Anchor app before? I have not. Okay. How are you going to listen to this podcast in the future? I will try the Anchor app uh, right now. I'm going to listen to it on Spotify. Oh, okay. That's great. That's incredibly vain of you because I will not listen to this podcast. Uh, but Yeah, I probably think this podcast is about me. That's fine. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hey, we're going to start this podcast off, at least this week, with a segment that uh, we're going to call Before Sunday. And what Before Sunday is, is it's kind of a lead up into all the things that we do leading up to that Sunday morning experience. And before you even ask it, Drew, the answer is no. Before Sunday is not a Ethan Hawke, Richard Linklater uh, spinoff. That would be great, though. Yeah, I know yeah. that's what you were hoping. Um, before sunrise, before sunset. What's the last one? Before midnight. And I didn't know I was hoping until you said it, but now they have to come up. With before, one call Sunday. before Sunday. Yeah, well, and we can star in it. But this is the, the segment we like to call Before Sunday, and we're just going to talk about things that we've been up to in the last week, uh, personally and professionally. Drew, I'm going to hand it off to you to start this off. What have you been up to this last week? So, a couple of weeks ago, I decided to rewatch uh, the TV show Parks and Rec. And so I've been doing some of that on in the evenings over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, how what playthrough is this for you? Have you seen the whole thing through already once or twice? Or? This is only my second time. So I watched it when it was airing on television, and so it's been several years since I have watched it. So I decided uh, I wanted to be really good at Parks and Rec trivia, and so I wanted to watch it again. And rewatching it has re- reminded me 
that I really want to be Ron Swanson uh, when I get older. And so, for instance, uh, he says things like this. There's only one thing I hate more than lying, skim milk, which is water <laughs> that is lying about being milk. That's awesome. That's great. Now, where do you land on the Parks and Rec versus the Office uh, debate that many like to have? Yes, I still give Office the slight edge. Uh, it was first, um, but Parks and Rec is a close second in the, in that conversation. Yeah, I think it's interesting that people will argue that Parks and Rec, the first season is terrible or something like that. Like, just skip the first season, wait to the second season. But for people who uh, criticize The Office, they always say things like, oh, when Michael Scott left, it wasn't the same. So it seems like both shows have kind of like a, a season-long kind of lull. Would you agree with that, or am I am I coming from left field here? No, that that's what most people say. I would say the first season on Parks and Rec is still good. I mean, you learn the characters, and there's some good moments. And after Michael Scott leaves, you get the, to know the characters that are left even more. And so there's value in both, although I do concede that is... Uh, you are right in, in, in describing those shows in that way. Yeah. I've only watched The Office all the way through, so I'm biased towards The Office. Um, what about professionally, Drew? What have you been doing to specifically maybe prepare for this Sunday or just things that uh, have happened in the last week in The Office or around around your job? Well, like anybody, all sorts of things happen during a work week. And so one of the things that was different this week is uh, our life group gathered to say goodbye to the Whitefields. Uh, they're moving back to Arkansas, and so they've been a part of our life group since they've been a part of this church for the last three years or so. And we gathered together to send them off to share some stories uh, and just send them off well. And we did so at uh, a restaurant that's about to open called Pizza Americana. Ooh, okay. I've heard it. This is uh, the restaurant that Jordan Swim, one of the one of the members here at Care Church, is opening soon. Is that right? Yes, that's right. And they are perfecting uh, their cook times and many things. And so our evening was spent just watching them bring out pizza after pizza. And we got to try many different kinds. They're all good. But the pizza that has his barbecue on it is extraordinary. That is unbelievable. So they just literally just brought you pizza after pizza because they were training. And they're like, someone's got to eat it. Might as well be Drew and his friends. I don't know if they can. They, That's what they said. I don't they know if they Drew, looked at us as Drew and his friends. They said but, Drew and his friends need pizza. But we happen to be the right place at the right time is what happened. That's awesome. When Do you know when that opens? I think it opens sometime next week. Okay. That's exciting. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Something else that's going on right now is we are uh, searching for a worship minister. And so mm-hmm. resumes continue to come in. There are a lot of good candidates. And so we uh, had another meeting Wednesday to look over resumes, to talk about candidates, to uh, pray about uh, this process. And so I'm excited about uh, the future as far as the next staff member that we're going to add here. Yeah, that does sound exciting. My week um, consisted of a few different things. First off, it hasn't been the greatest week for me um, as far as my health goes. I get sick like probably every other month with the same exact thing. It starts off with a sore throat, moves into my nose, and then ends with my ears. And it's just a miserable thing. My wife hates it. And I've always, every time I get sick, I try to figure out what is it that is causing this to happen to me over and over again. I have different theories that happen that come and go. The current theory that I'm on right now that I've, I believe in strongly is I am uh, what you call a mouth breather. 
I very rarely breathe through my nose. This people have made fun of me for this. So Drew, you can, you know, it's already been done. You don't have to. And I just in. learned about it this week. And so I have already called Jaren a mouth breather multiple times the last yeah. few days. Which we both don't understand why that's actually an insult. But no. people use it. It's like a, it's like a schoolyard playground old-fashioned insult. But now that it's linked with Jaren, I get it. I get why yeah, it's an insult. Thanks. But anyway, so I'm wondering if, like, because I, like, am always constantly breathing in and out of my mouth and I don't have the filtration uh, skills of nose hair that, that these bacteria or anything negative in there have to go through, that maybe it just goes straight into my throat and it starts to... I'm just imagining that something's growing in the back of my throat, not constantly. So is, this, any, is this the right place to talk about so this? So anyone who is in the medical field or yeah. uh, knows a lot of science, I invite you to call in with a recommendation for Jaren as to what's causing this. Well, let me tell you, I've already started to do, you know, I've, I, you know, they always tell you to throw away your toothbrush. So I did that, threw away my toothbrush. I actually got some new thing of mouthwash. And that's kind of what I do when I'm sick now with a sore throat is instead of trying to medicate myself with different medications i'm just trying to like clean my throat out as much as possible so you've seen like gargle salt water is a thing it kills everything in there but i've been like brushing i maybe some of you already do this i've been brushing like three times a day which is not normal for me and i it's probably not normal for half the people listening if not everyone listening don't lie you do not brush three times a day but that's kind of what i've been trying two times a day you twice a day guy i'm twice a day and this is this is fascinating because when I was uh, in my 20s, getting close to 30, I was getting sick on a frequent basis, and they ended up having to remove my gallbladder. So I hope that uh, this isn't something that you, where you have to do some sort of organ removal. Was this a – how was your – what was your sickness? It was just uh, stomach uh, okay. issues. Okay, um, it wasn't like you yeah. had a sore throat constantly. No, 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 it wasn't sore throat. No, it wasn't gallbladder causing sore throat. Okay. But hopefully it's something way less minor than that. Yeah, I hope so. Professionally, um, I've been uh, trying to put together our New Year retreat, the student ministry retreat that we hold each and every year, uh, just about 45 minutes away from Richardson. It's a really great time. Lots of our students come, so I've been preparing that. Um, We have that big mission trip to Providence, Rhode Island to support the Feast Church there. Um, So I've been playing that, looking at Airbnbs and some some houses that we can rent. I'm actually getting very, very excited about that trip. Um, But then on top top of it all, I started grad school uh, last semester, which has been, it's one of those things I've told people, what, what was I thinking? Like, why am I doing this? Uh, it's really, it is a great time for me to, to go for a master's degree, but I finished my job at the office and I get home and there's still more work to do. So especially with it being a short week with the holidays, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, I have a lot to, a lot of catching up to do in yeah. that regard. Well, you're in a good place because anyone who's ever done any kind of graduate schoolwork asks themselves the question, why am I doing this at some point? That's good. I'm in good company. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, but hey, enough about us, Drew. We're going to get into what this podcast is all about, which is to give people a behind-the-scenes look, um, a special insight into what this upcoming Sunday morning worship experience is is going to look like. If you've ever visited Care Church, you know that we might do this a little bit differently uh, than the average church in the area. Um, And what we do is we make sure that everything we do is centered around this one central passage of Scripture, and we want to sit with that passage the entire morning, even for the rest of Sunday and throughout the entire week. And so everything we do 
we're trying to push towards letting the passage transform us from the inside out. And one of the ways we do that is through a worship service, through a teaching time that Drew brings us every week through his sermon, and then a breakout time uh, where we leave the auditorium, we go into these, we go and gather around tables, and we talk about these passages uh, more practically and maybe a little bit more in depth. And so that's what we're actually going to talk about right now is what's coming up this Sunday. So Drew, I'm going to ask you to kind of uh, walk us through where we are right now as a church. Um, What's the series that we've just started just within the last few weeks? Um, And and why have you chosen to kind of direct our church this way to start off the new year? Good question. We've started this year by remembering and celebrating that God is a God who makes all things new. Among those things that God is making new are, are us as individuals and our church. We are evolving, we're growing, we're continuing to progress in the ways that God is working among us. And this year, we're focusing on the second phrase of our mission statement. Our mission statement is sharing Christ, loving others, and changing lives. And this year, we're focusing in on loving others so that God can work through us more powerfully uh, as we seek to to extend the care and love that God has given us uh, to those around us. Yeah, and last week, you started this series off with um, the greatest commands, right? We looked at a passage in Mark, which Mark is where we're going to be camping out for the entire series. And we talked about the importance and, and the, the central commands of our faith to love God with everything that we have and to love our neighbors. And so that's kind of the, the focus of this series. Am I correct in, in saying that? Yeah, that's, that's, you're right. That's perfect. Uh, in, in Mark 12, when we had this conversation between Jesus and uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law and religious leaders of the day, uh, he's asked, what is the most important command? What is the greatest command? And instead of giving one, Jesus gives us two, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And by combining those two things, uh, Jesus gives us what is most important. And all of the commands, all the teaching that we receive is given to us so that we can love God and love neighbor well. And I love that we are connecting this series directly to our mission statement because it means everything that we're talking about in the next few weeks, it directly impacts the way that we view us and our faith and our Christian identity, but specifically in Richardson as a part of Care Church. And one of the ways you've been talking about this on Sunday mornings, at least in the last week, is you do it through how people put their faith in boxes. And you actually had boxes that you showed the church on Sunday morning. Describe a little bit about the imagery of boxes. What are you trying to accomplish with this type of display? Right. There are different ways to think about faith and what it is and what it means and how we live it out uh, in daily life. The boxes represent one of the ways that we sometimes think about faith. We have boxes that we carry around beliefs, and sometimes we think about faith as just a collection of what we believe. And uh, there is value in thinking through what we believe and why we believe it. But the thing about boxes is, you know, the boxes get bigger and bigger the more things we add to our faith. And then as we carry them around, it's, it's natural for us to look at other boxes and compare and contrast. Mm. And when we do this, our, our tendency is to, to evaluate other boxes based on what's in our box. And so uh, it's a very, it can lead to a very divisive place, thinking of faith in the, in the sense of putting what we believe in a box. And so I'm trying to walk us through and help us see that our faith is more about identity and, and how we live and uh, how we love God, how we love neighbor. It's, it's, uh, it, 
it's more about identity markers and lifestyle traits and habits that we do more so than boxes that we carry around. Yeah, if we define our faith by these things that we put in a box and we restrict our faith to a box, no matter what you put in, you, you showed on Sunday that some of the things we put in the box, there's good heart around that. There's, um, there's good things in the box, but if it's restricted to that box, uh, we're going to miss the mark. We're going to miss the core of our faith and the core of what Jesus wants his followers to accomplish. And we talked about this a little bit earlier this week about how if we deconstruct these boxes, we can further kind of pinpoint the ways that churches and even our church sometimes misses the mark. We miss kind of the point of why we're doing what we're doing. Jesus says, no, focus on these two things, love, love God, love neighbor. But when we put these other things in here that we've we've accumulated, we sometimes get further and further away from that central reality. Do you have any, you've told some really great stories in the past. Do you have any stories of, uh, of a church that might uh, put something in a box to the point where they miss the mark uh, because they've restricted their faith maybe to what they found inside that box? Sure. And, and as I tell this story, you're, you're right, Jaron, because the more things we add to the box, the, the harder it becomes to live into the great commands. And so uh, many of the things in boxes are, are good things. And so, but the more we put in, the more harder, the more burdensome it is to actually try to do all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the less likely we actually get around to loving God and loving neighbor. And so there's all kinds of ways we've missed the mark in the past that I've missed the mark, that churches have missed the mark. Yeah. Well, one example of this is many years ago, the church I was working with, we, we had a baptism ceremony and there was a guest that had come in and was traveling and came in for this worship experience and stayed for this baptism. So we had this great moment. This uh, teenage young man was baptized, uh, came out of the water. It was celebratory. His family surrounded him. It was, just, uh, it was a great moment. Uh, and then pretty quick, this, this guest comes and grabs me and pulls me off to the side and says, hey, I just want you to know this baptism doesn't count. And I was confused and perplexed and said, well, what do you mean? Uh, and he proceeds to tell me that this young guy's right elbow didn't completely go under the water. Oh my! And so then it doesn't count, and uh, would have hey, to do you, it all over again. Got to try it again. And so I, I just simply asked him. I said, "So you're telling me that in the future, uh, this guy is going to be walking around heaven missing a right elbow?" That's um, right. And that, <laughs> and uh, he was very frustrated with my response to his, what he seemed to be a legitimate concern. Yeah. But in my mind. If we're focused on that sort of thing, we're missing the point of baptism. That's right. Of uh, dying to self, being raised by God, and then living that out every day. And so uh, that's just kind of a an example that most of us would probably say, yeah, that guy was missing the point. Yeah, exactly. Something as beautiful as baptism was put in the box, but it actually got in the way of loving God and loving neighbor in the way that we're called to. So that's a, no, that's a great example and a funny story. That's good. So we've talked about where the series is going, loving others as a whole, 2019, all things new. Uh, but this week we're focusing in on something different as we do. We're, we're progressing in this series. And uh, the theme for this week is loving others, but learning Jesus. You want to explain uh, the your thought process behind uh, this week's focus? Yeah. So the great commands are love God and love neighbor. And as we think about our mission statement and loving others is how how, how we love others is, is also how we love God. And so that's a really important question. In fact, we just celebrated Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday on Monday. And 
one of the, the questions that he asked or, or thoughts that he shared that I always think about is he said, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Mm-hmm. And I always think about that as we go through this, this season, every January, but also as we go through life and what, what am I, what are we doing for others? And as we think about loving others and how do we do that, we're going to spend some time learning Jesus. That's the best way for us to think about how God wants us to love others, how God wants us to love Him. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to spend some time learning Jesus uh, this week and in the, in the coming weeks uh, so that we can let Jesus teach us how to love. And we're going to learn Jesus by focusing in on the first chapter in the Gospel of Mark. And um, the reason you'd pick that chapter, at least conversations you've had with me, is because it's this really cool snapshot of, I think is what you said, a day in the life of Jesus. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, we're, we're starting in chapter 1, verse 14, going through the end of that chapter. Uh, and so it's just, there's many different things that happen, but really it is a, a day in the life of Jesus. These are the kinds of things that Jesus does. These are how he goes through his life loving God and loving neighbor. And so that's what we're going to spend some time just looking at a day in the life of Jesus and how that can teach us how we should spend our days. And not only the things that Jesus does in this first chapter, but also focus on the things that he specifically says. Um, You know, the red letter Bibles are something that people have heard of, you know about it. Uh, But we're going to look at the red letters in Mark chapter 1. And what are some of the things that we hear Jesus say in this chapter as we're preparing to, to spend some time? Uh, in the text this Sunday. Right. So there are many stories in, in Mark 1, the section that we're spending time looking at a day in the life of Jesus. And the way that we are going to encounter these stories is by, is by focusing on what Jesus actually says, the red letters of the story. And it gives us a lens, a, a window, a picture into the, the greater story of what's happening. For instance, at the very beginning, Jesus says the kingdom of God is is near, it's at hand. Uh, repent and believe the good news. And so just announcement that the kingdom of God is, is here among us. And and as we get through the these stories and these uh, direct quotes from Jesus, uh, the, the two places that we're going to spend the most time are, are when Jesus is coming out of a time of prayer and is interrupted and talks about how his purpose, his mission, the re- reason he has come is to go preach and spread the word to everyone. And so he wants to go somewhere else uh, to spread the word to the nearby villages and then also, right after that time of prayer and going somewhere else, a leper comes up and asks Jesus, are you willing to, to, to cleanse me? And Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. And so prayer and healing are the two areas that we're going to focus in on as far as learning Jesus, letting Jesus teach us how to love. Uh, that's thinking about our prayer life and thinking about how we as individuals and we as a church are partnering with God to bring healing to the world. So last week, we focused in on trying to come up with a more clear identity for those who are at Care Church, those who are participating in this uh, this family of believers. And we said last week that we really want to be defined and known simply as those who care for one another and care for our neighbors. Uh, because that's the care that we've gotten for. I mean, it's in our name, you know, and that's what we want to focus on. And every week you had said, we want to focus a little bit more on, no, what does it mean to be a part of character? So last week we said, no, we want to be known as those who care. 
simply put. And this week, when you go into prayer and healing, what do you imagine is this next piece of a uh, of our care church identity? Yeah, this has probably happened to those of you listening at some point, but you tell someone you go to care church and you get asked, what kind of church is care church? What is care church? And, and so Darren's right. Each week, we're going to spend time thinking through what do we say to that question? What, what does that mean? And last week, we spent some time thinking about how we do seek to be and strive to be a church that cares. And we believe that is uh, one of the best gifts that we can give to the world. It's just people who care. And so as we think about people who care, uh, what does it mean to show care? What does it mean to demonstrate care to people? And as we look more deeply into that idea, that's where prayer and healing come into play. Is One of the ways we try to care for people is that we want to be a church where people can come experience healing. Uh, many people already here have been hurt at other churches and have come and experienced healing here in this church. But bigger than that, we want people in the world that have been hurt by the world to come experience healing, the healing grace of God given through Christ uh, and, and brought to us in, in the power of the Spirit. We want that to define us as a church, that we are caring for people. We're, we're extending the care that God has given us to the people around us. And one of the ways that care is demonstrated is through healing in whatever way we need it. It could be emotional, physical, uh, financial, or, or spiritual. But uh, healing from a holistic perspective, that's what it means for us to actually care for people. I love that because I shared with you earlier this week, Drew, that when I first uh, was hired here just a few years ago, that was something that I heard that was embedded into the identity of this church is a place for healing. However, there's a caveat to that because it was always healing that was for the Christian that was disgruntled, maybe, or it's for the Christian that um, was hurt at a different congregation or maybe in a different tradition. But it was a healing for one of our own is kind of how it felt. And while that was good, and actually I received a lot of healing at this church, to be honest, from where I'd come from to coming here, I experienced that healing. That was great. But we're not we're not just happy with that form of healing. Everything we're doing is because we want those who don't know Jesus at all to know him here with us. And we want those who have been hurt, not by churches, but by hurt by a broken world to come and experience healing here. So that's huge. I'm, I'm so glad that our church is, is focusing in on that aspect of healing, not just for a small group of people, but for everyone. That's right. And the only way to sustain that kind of approach to caring and healing is to be people of prayer, to be a church of prayer. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus continually shows us that habit of going away to the solitary place or the lonely place uh, to connect and commune and, and be with God. And so the only way that we as a church or we as individuals can sustain a lifestyle of caring and bringing healing to people is by being people of prayer. And so that's where prayer and healing come together. So each week on Sundays here at Care Church, we uh, we have one worship experience. And after the teaching time ends, we transition to breakouts. And our breakouts are a time for all of us in the church to spend more time with a text so that we can be transformed by it. Uh, as Jaron described earlier, our approach to Sundays is to spend enough time with the text or a teaching from Scripture so that we can be uh, transformed by it and actually go live it out, uh, that we're transformed in a tangible, clear way. And so our breakouts are a time, a, a chance for us to gather around tables and talk more deeply about the passage and, and what God is saying to us uh, through this passage. And so, Jaron, just walk us through uh, 
the questions that are in store for us this week and, uh, and, and while we have these questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Drew and I every week talk, have a conversation kind of like this, not nearly as scripted uh, or as eloquent, but we talk about uh, this Sunday and we, we dream about what could be a reality for our church. And so um, Drew lays down the vision for Sunday and what's going to be happening in uh, the worship time and through his teaching. And then I get uh, the opportunity to write down a game plan for what's going to happen around tables at our breakouts. And so this week, what we have planned is this break open question, a question that can get uh, kind of the ball rolling. It's an icebreaker of sorts, uh, but the intention is to get everyone talking in a way so that when you ask those slightly deeper questions, they're ready for them. Um, I've always been told if you can get someone to talk once, um, they'll talk again. And so that's what we're trying to do with this break open question. We want it to connect to what we just heard Drew talk about, but we also want it to be uh, lighthearted in nature uh, for some of our groups. So the, the first question, the break open question that we do with our entire group is how do you mentally or physically prepare for a long day ahead of you. We see in Mark chapter one that Jesus prepares for his day full of travel and healing and hard conversations. He starts by getting really getting up really early in the morning and spending time in prayer. And so I don't imagine that everyone who's going to answer this question is going to say, yeah, I got up really early and I prayed and then someone ran and said, I've been looking for you. And then you move to the next town. Uh, but we all have things that we do to prepare for a long day. And it's really cool to see how do we prepare versus how does Jesus uh, prepare. And so um, that's one thing that we can do to get the ball rolling. Uh, but we also like to have a, a kind of an alternative plan, a, a B-side of sorts, uh, which lets the spirit move uh, in a more open manner. And every morning, this is a potential question. So you'll hear me say this every episode of this podcast. This will probably be part of it. But what do you think God wanted you to notice this morning? We truly believe that the presence of God is with us when we come together and we worship. We really believe that his spirit is moving not only through the time in worship, but through conversations around tables. And so we want to listen before we ever get into guided discussion. We want to hear how is the spirit guiding you already before you ever sit down at that table? What did you notice and what do you think God wanted you to notice that morning? And so after the breakouts discuss these questions, uh, typically the facilitators will uh, give some sort of summary of the sermon. Uh, I, I, I'll give them that. Uh, I'll, I'll give them a prepared kind of paragraph summary. Uh, but they put it into their own words and just, uh, you've heard already what we're going to spend some time with on Sunday in this podcast. And so the, the facilitators will summarize this. And then they will read Mark 1, 35 through 42, which is the section focusing on Jesus spending time in prayer and then being pulled back into an environment where people need healing. And so prayer and healing are featured in this section. And so after this, this passage is read again, uh, the, the tables then begin discussing the questions that we've given them. And I'll just, let, I'll just let you talk about these questions. Yeah, I do want to point out that um, though you're probably going to be talking about a large portion of Mark chapter 1, right? We're looking at lots of things that happen in Mark. Um, he goes to different places, uh, says many different things. But for the sake of time and for the sake of kind of the meat and the heart of this uh, concept of healing and prayer, uh, we're just focusing in on those uh, 35 through 42. And it really does get a really good piece of what we're trying to accomplish. So you'll read that together. And then the tables will go straight into 
um, a variety of these questions. Now, I'm going to say them in a certain order. We have placed them, Drew, in this order for a reason for ourselves, though we don't want people to feel restricted that they have to go in, uh, go through it in this order. We want them to, well, we want our facilitators, our table leaders to really be able to listen and discern what direction they need to take the conversation. So one of the first questions that we'll ask is um, about wording that happens in this passage. It says, when the man with leprosy begged Jesus to heal him, scripture says that Jesus became indignant. Indignant is the word. However, other manuscripts say he was filled with compassion. How do we make sense of these conflicting stories? This is one of those really cool things, especially when I'm talking to my students and they see uh, a word used and they see like a little asterisk or a little number and you go down to the footnotes and something in the footnotes is just so different than what you just read. And I think that's really important for us to discuss as a body um, to feel like, okay, what does it mean if we don't know? We know that there's many manuscripts that say this, other manuscripts say this, different versions of scripture, you know, depending on what version you're reading will say different things. But we want to talk about what does it mean if Jesus was indignant and he wasn't filled with compassion, we can get, right? We see Jesus filled with compassion many, many times over. But in this in this instance, he was indignant. That, I think, will create a really interesting conversation at our tables to talk about. Do we let Jesus have emotions other than compassion? Um, do we let Jesus be human in certain ways? Um, are we okay with that? And how interesting it would be, Drew, if, if the... Um, if the people, if the early editors of our scriptures had the same trouble that we did, right? They read indignant and they go, but I feel like Jesus has compassion. How do I, how do I uh, wrestle with those and make those, those work? Um, do you have any comments on this? You, you, you studied this for your sermon. Um, I just write the questions on the, you know, but. Right. No, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. And I, uh, I think it's a good question to ask. And one thing is it does show. Uh, that we can have reliable trust in Scripture because Scripture is upfront with yes. decisions that have been made about these kinds of questions. We don't try to hide these from yeah. the public or from others. And so uh, I love that there's just an honest exploration of, hey, some manuscripts say indignant, some say filled with compassion. Uh, in, in the scientific world, there's Occam's Razor, which talks about the simplest right. uh, theory being the most likely one to be true. Right. It's kind of the opposite when it comes to manuscripts because usually the hardest reading is is usually the most accurate one yeah. because scribes and other people will seek uh, simplicity and clarity yeah. and try to just naturally might edit out the hard things or the, the, the more confusing uh, features of stories. For instance, Matthew and Luke tell this same story and they completely leave out any mention of whether Jesus was indignant or filled with compassion. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Mark is the one who leaves this detail in here. And so it leaves us, us leaves, leaves it up to us to mm-hmm. think about both sides of it. Both can be true and reveal different aspects of Jesus' character. He could be indignant or upset that evil is so prevalent in the world, and yeah. he's upset that it's affecting this man. He could be upset that Someone else is interrupting him from going to uh, what he has just stated as his purpose, uh, to go to places and, and let people know the kingdom of God is at hand. But he's also filled with compassion. Even if it doesn't say, even if the original writing of this did not say he's filled with compassion, the fact that Jesus touches this man with leprosy shows that he has compassion. Yeah. Uh, because 
touching le- people with leprosy was avoided at all costs. And so the fact that Jesus healed him by touching him shows that he was filled with compassion. And so I think there's room for both to be here in this story. But it's still interesting and, and I think important for us to talk about it. And where do we yeah. fall? What do we think about uh, the, the, the more human side of Jesus being shown if he, if he was indignant? Or does it just reinforce what we really do need to understand about Jesus when it comes to loving others is that he was filled with compassion? And, and where do we fall in this conversation? Yeah, no, those are great points. I think that's going to add a lot to the conversation uh, on Sunday morning. The one of the next questions uh, asks, what do we learn about Jesus by just looking at the words that he spoke uh, in Mark chapter 1? The passage that you will read with your breakout is, is small. It just has a few quotes. But in the sermon time, you'll hear some other uh, mentions of the words of Jesus. But just a fun exercise, almost like a reading uh, exercise, a listening exercise, is what if we just looked at what Jesus said? I'm always uh, really encouraged by the fact that the Bible gives Jesus quotations. Like I love that, that we can look at the red letters and we can imagine the Son of God saying something to someone that can be heard. And so this is more of a, in my mind, a listening exercise. We just look at the quotes and what do we learn just by the fact that God incarnate said these things out loud? Uh, I just, I personally, one of the reasons I wrote that question is I love that type of outlook on this, this part of the passage. Uh, So more of a, more of a listening exercise than anything. The next question has to do specifically with the focus for this Sunday, healing and prayer. And the question asks, what is the relationship between prayer and healing in the daily life of Jesus? Now, this is something that you can see very evidently just by the passage that we read. But for those of us who have spent lots of times in, in Scripture, and we know these stories of Jesus going off and praying, this would be a great time for us to discuss the constant relationship that Jesus has, not only with his Father uh, in heaven, but with the people uh, around him, and how there is almost this flow between prayer and healing. Prayer comes first, healing comes later. And I love the idea that uh, Jesus was had to be found in prayer. It makes me wonder how long he would have stayed in prayer if no one was looking for him. And so I really think this is a, a great chance to talk about the idea that Jesus spent so much time in prayer that people had to actually go and find him uh, to move on. So maybe a really good example for us and a great way for us to talk to our neighbors who are at our table who maybe don't know much about Jesus to show them that the Jesus that we worship and the Jesus that we follow is one that is cemented in prayer as he's on earth and, and a good example for us to follow. And that question will connect directly with the challenge that we'll talk about in just a minute. But there is uh, one question that we always want to spend time and feature in some way each week. And, and so uh, there's a question that I'll just let Jaron talk more, a little bit more about uh, as, a, as a featured question for the week. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes this question isn't necessarily the first question that's uh, on the list, but it is the one that, at least during this podcast, Drew and I want to spend a little bit more time talking about. So, Drew, I'm going to invite you as well. Uh, to chime in if there's something that you think needs to be brought to our listeners' attention concerning this question. But the featured question this week, the big question is, who do you relate to the most in this story? Um, This story includes the leper, it includes Jesus, it includes Simon. It also includes those people that maybe were healed by Jesus later on 
not the leper. You know, it says that he went and taught in the synagogues. It says that he went and drove out demons. So there's lots of people, even if they're unnamed, in this story that are featured in the, like we said earlier, day in the life of Jesus. So if you were starring in the day in the life of Jesus, who do you relate to the most? This is an exercise that you can do with countless passages of scripture, countless stories in the Bible. Put yourself in someone's shoes and see how does the spirit talk to you when you do that. And then you can change shoes, go try on a different pair and see how that feels. Uh, You can learn something from each perspective um, depending on how you're looking at it. Drew, do you have any, uh, when you read this story, do you relate to somebody? I think it'd be fun for us to almost answer our featured question and see maybe how we would answer if we were, we got to be in part of those conversations on Sunday. Yeah. So when I think about who I relate to the most, I always kind of see myself with Simon looking for Jesus um, and say, Hey, where are you? There's a lot of people who need healing. Not a lot of people who need help. I feel like I, I think about things that way sometimes in my own prayer life or as I'm going through the world and saying like, Hey Jesus, where are you? Where are you working? What are you doing? And so I can definitely relate to, to that question. And I love that this question is going to be discussed around tables with other people because one of the great things about this question is to be able to hear what other people say and respond and see different angles on the story that maybe I haven't considered mm-hmm. or even thought of yet. Uh, and so I'm, I see myself with Simon trying to get Jesus, hey, what are you up to? Uh, what are you doing? Everyone's looking for you. Everyone needs help. Uh, where are you going? And then even maybe trying to think through what it means for Jesus to say, I'm not going to go where you want me to go. I have other things to do. And so uh, it also helps me think about how do I try to control or think that I can control what Jesus is doing? I know that I can't, but part of my frustration sometimes is just letting that go and saying, okay, where, where is Jesus working and joining him there instead of trying to get him to come where I think he should be? Yeah, that's interesting. I definitely relate to Simon as well, exactly how you, you put it. Um, but I also am stuck on uh, the quote from the leper, the quote, are you willing? If you are willing, please heal me. And that really resonates with me, um, especially during different parts uh, in my life, maybe not specifically right now, but I definitely have related to that in my life where I think that I'm too small of a fish for uh, our God to care about. Does that make sense? Like I, I... I'm just this little guy, you know, living in a small little part of this massive world. And I'm asking the creator in this instance, Jesus, the you know creator in the flesh for something. I'm asking him for something. And so sometimes I feel like I come at it like, if you're willing, please be willing. I hope you say yes. And then when Jesus responds with indignation uh, in certain manuscripts, I go, Oh man, it makes me question a little bit even more about, uh, I, I want to be in line with what Jesus is doing, where, like you said, where Jesus is going. And sometimes I'm afraid to ask for that healing because I'm not sure if he's going to be willing or not. There's nothing that Jesus has done in scripture or that God has done in my life for me to doubt that, but I think it still creeps in, you know? Um, so I really, I, I relate to the leper and I, uh, and I'm sure maybe the people that you will be talking to on Sunday will relate to Simon in the same way that Drew did, relate to the leper maybe in the same way that I have, and guaranteed someone's going to come up with something else. They're going to relate to someone different. That's the beauty of these conversations. But now, once the conversation is done, it's come to a close, and the breakout time is wrapping up, 
we really need to focus on what is going to be the takeaway for this week. We don't want this passage to stop transforming us at the end of Sunday morning. We want it to continue throughout the week. And what we transition into is what we call the Changing Lives Challenge. And it's named after that third part of our mission statement, sharing Christ, loving others, changing lives. And so each week we have a Changing Lives Challenge, a challenge that is designed not only to change the lives of people around you, but to change your life in particular. And so this week we have a challenge that Drew wrote for us that he thinks is going to get to the heart of what this passage is trying to accomplish, at least for us this week. Drew, what's the Changing Life Challenge for this week? Yeah, so this week we're going to think about uh, how we can combine prayer and healing in, in, uh, in the challenge itself. And so we're inviting, asking, challenging everyone to spend some time in prayer each day this week, praying about uh, us as a church and how we're bringing healing to the world or how we as a church are a place where people can experience healing. For example, a lot of our ministries help people who are in need, a need of food, a need of financial assistance. And maybe that's a defining characteristic of the way we try to bring healing. A lot of our mission partners and, uh, and ministry partners uh, work in schools and try to help schools uh, form and shape children and, and teachers in a, in, a, in a positive way. And so maybe that's a characteristic, a defining characteristic for how we are trying to bring healing to people. There are many needs in the world. Uh, and one church cannot meet every single need. And so we're going to challenge us as a church to be prayerful uh, and begin a process of discernment as to what are uh, the one or two things that can define us as a church. So that when people talk about or ask what kind of church is Care Church, we can talk about how we're caring for people and then give one or two ways that we're trying to seek to do that. Uh, and there's And there's many needs, many needs in the world. And so we're just asking for all of you, and especially as our life groups gather, uh, to do that as a life group. Uh, just spend mm-hmm. some time talking about this together, praying about it, uh, and then we'll have some feed, feedback mechanisms for, for you to give us information back, and we can begin a process of communal discernment to figure out what are those tags, what are those characteristics that define us as a church, and how we are a place of healing. Yeah, and, and we're already um, active in our communities through our mission partners. However, we want to follow the example of Jesus and start with prayer that leads into uh, healing. And I think what we'll find out, uh, possibly, we'll possibly find out, is that we are exactly where we need to be or moving in the direction that we need to be moving. But clarity is key for sure, especially in a time of our church where God is moving us into new places. And he's making things new. So I'm excited to see what comes out of those small group times in people's homes revolving around prayer and healing. Drew, I think that's about it for uh, episode one. We made it officially. How does it feel? Feels great. I love it. It's a little bit longer than maybe we had planned, but hey, it's our first time. And I think we're setting a really good uh, groundwork for what this podcast can become. Every week, We're going to be something like this, but please feel free to uh, reach out to us, whether it's through the podcasting services, maybe it's through uh, the website, uh, carechurch.org. You can find us and and reach out to us. Um, Or if you know us personally, you can uh, give us a call uh, or text us with some comments or recommendations. But I think this is going to be very valuable for uh, our church leadership uh, and the church at large moving forward. 
Drew, do you have any uh, last words before we uh, wrap this thing up? No, I, I, I feel uh, I'm just looking forward to Sunday and spending time with this this passage. And uh, like Jaron said, we'd love to hear from you and give us feedback and ask questions. And uh, this is our first go at it. And so obviously we'll uh, mm-hmm. get better at this as we go along. But I, I've enjoyed talking more about this text and, and the Sunday that's coming up. Next week, we'll be back for episode two of Considerable Thought, and we will be still in the Loving Others series, but we're going to be looking at a different passage in Mark. Drew, what are we looking at next week? Next week will be Mark 2, verses 1 through 17. It's the story of uh, the man who was paralyzed being brought by his friends to be healed by Jesus, and it's also the the story where Jesus is criticized uh, for eating with uh, sinners and spending time with them. And so the, the title for this is How to Love Others. I'm excited about that. So stay tuned for that episode next week. Or before that, you can join us for worship on Sunday mornings uh, starting at 10 a.m. But until then, take care.